Hello there, and welcome to Film Raw here at Bunkerzilla UK. It is the place where we review the latest movie releases from across the cinematic spectrum. I am your host, as always, Ian Bolton, and joining me through the power of technology, it is my co-host and partner in crime. It is Christian R. Allen. Peace. Hello. Well, we're in, lo- we're in lockdown two, Electric Boogaloo, or perhaps the worst sequel ever made. <laughs> I don't know how to. I don't know how we can really approach that subject with, with things. Well, I suppose. But... Well, we could have gone down the Star Trek route and call it "Lockdown to the Wrath of COVID" or something like that. I don't know. Or he could have taken a page out of um, Under Siege Two, Dark Territory. There's an Under Siege Two. Yes, it is the greatest sequel ever made. Not really, no. <laughs> I, I joke. I joke. I joke about that being the greatest sequel ever made because it was probably the first time I watched a Steven Seagal movie. Um, oh, is he in both? He's in both. This one's set on a train. <laughs> Catherine Heigl was his niece, um, right. and that's all I can remember. All I all I know was it. It's like when you were young, it's a great film. When you're older, you just go, "This is dodgy." <laughs> <laughs> this is dodgy do you, do you indeed. Think do you think when they're explaining the plot of the second film to Seagal, they had to be like, "So imagine a submarine." But on land, can can I just get a body double and a voice double? Of course, Seagal, absolutely. I'm in. I, I didn't I didn't believe you when you told me he did that, and then you showed me some of the trailers from his recent movies. And yeah, there was a brilliant sketch. Do you, do you remember a sketch show called Big Train in the oh, early yes. 40s? Yes, a, oh, lot yeah. of, a, a lot of great writers and um, British comedians were involved at the time. Uh, I think Simon Pegg's probably most successful comedian to come out of it there was a there was a there was a sketch where there were um it was an action sequence of a tiny white guy fighting mm. another white guy and their stunt man was like a massive seven foot tall black chap and so they come you know they, um they they in the edit the director in the edit and they're sort of like it's quite clearly obvious it's not the same person and it just turns to the director and goes is that all right it's like yeah sure i think yeah. that's fine no, no one to notice no one to notice yeah, yeah. Like, we fixed yeah. it in the edit. Fixed it in the edit. Fixed That'd it in the edit. Fine. Yeah. It's like uh. if you haven't, if you haven't watched Big Train, do watch it. It's very yes. good. I don't, I don't know if it's available online, but um, um, yeah, it's it, it staggers me how that was just a silly little throwaway gag, and it happens all the time. There's <laughs> yeah, it's it's quite commonplace, especially in Steven Seagal movies. Ah, uh, but anyway, moving away from the whispering nightmare that is Seagal. How is during nightmare? Um, <laughs> yes. Oddly enough, um, I'm currently working. Um, I started working in a local primary school, and it's interesting because of because of lockdown restrictions. Um, a lot of the children can't go out onto the playgrounds as much as they should. So the teachers have actually been playing the movies during their breaks because mm. they, do, they don't have blackboards anymore. They have big screens out of like Futurama. Is it like? Uh, is it like? Is it like the Sky Sports board where you just sort of go right? Let's yes. look at this in a replay. Bring it onto the board, and then you it, take out magic markers and go right. That player's there. That player's there. But now, you, obviously, with schoolyards, you're like, okay, if I had three apples and I took away two apples, how much more satisfied with hunger would I be? You right. small child, apples, right. partial credit. <laughs> that that is exactly how all lessons are taught. We we use. <laughs> apples for all forms of numeracy and literacy as well it's mm. it really helps ground the education to uh, you know more obvious context 
But um, no, it's, it's exactly like the Sky Sports screen. And um, we've um, some of the films we've been watching, um, my, my Lord, it ranges from X. <laughs> it, it ranges, the, pro- the problem is they're giving the children an air of democracy. And I think that's a dangerous step, obviously. Oh, they we'll are, be talking about democracy and dangerous steps in a few moments of our film review. But, absolutely, <laughs> but carry absolutely. on. I, I was just going to say, I'll, I'll bring it up more because um, our next... Our next review, we're going to be doing um, the, the the latest SpongeBob SquarePants mm. movie, and um, that yeah. that was one. And I, I made the I made the mistake of thinking, oh, brilliant! I can just watch it with the kids. Um, <laughs> that would be fine, you know. Two birds, one stone. I, I didn't realize how how difficult it was to review a movie when you had thirty children yelling about who had the best sandwich, or uh, yeah, it's just. I don't, I don't oh. think these children are taking art, art seriously enough. Oh, you should have. If they were talking about best sandwiches and the best design sandwiches, just show them something on Netflix like, I don't know, I think it's Nailed It, where it's like, we make terrible looking cakes, but they still taste yummy. <laughs> we haven't really, I mean, aside from, it's, it, we're mainly relying on Disney+. Plus. And so uh, it's fine because some days they just put on a classic um, Pixar movie. I watched Coco with them the other day and Monsters, Inc., and then you get all these interest, these terrible made for Disney Channel movies like The Descendants Free. We talked about um, this when we were talking about Hocus Pocus. So I don't know if we're opening oh, up an old we? wound. <laughs> I, mean, I, I think I'm still I'm still processing the fact that this this was a film that I don't understand how there were three made, let alone one. Like, I, shall I watch Descendants one and two so I can understand the plot? No. <laughs> No, was there much? Was there much in the way of? I haven't watched it. I haven't watched any of them. So you're more in the know than I am now. I but listen. I we'll do a cultural exchange program. I will watch a Steven Seagal movie for every dodgy Disney Plus movie you watch. Because it it was interesting when Disney Plus did Mm. landed, and I thought, oh, let's have a look at these Disney classics, and I realised that most of the material on the Disney archive is. Pre- objectively terrible like the, the, it, it's mostly really bad live action family romps that were knocked out in the 60s and 70s yes i was i was just going to touch on those 60s 70s movies because you had people like kurt russell young kurt russell yes. and i think jodie foster as well just popping up here and there in these sort of things um one of um obviously with the past of sean connery uh last week um he appeared in like a very one of his earliest roles was in a Disney film. Really, uh, which but, one? But, uh, I don't know the title off the top of my head. Let me just tell you that in a few seconds. Sure. Do the Google. Google quickly. I can Google quickly. Uh, ah, here we go. So he appeared. His very first one of his earliest roles was in the film Darby O'Gill and the Little People. Oh yes, I did know this actually. So. So I think it's something about like, it's kind of like the Irish version of the borrowers. I'm not sure I might be wrong. I do apologize if there are any film fans who have seen that can attest to it, <laughs> but, but it's amazing who, who turns up in a Disney film. I mean, you got Bruce Willis and the kid. Oh dear. Did then you know again, Jim Bru- Andrews was in a Disney movie? Who would have thought? Hmm. Was it called yeah. Mary Poppins? Probably. No, music. I think I mentioned this a few months ago. I, I did rewatch that recently, and I, I was surprised how charming Dick Van Dyke is, even with the world's most atrocious Cockney accent. Oh, blimey, Mary Poppins! 
sweeping. Oh my gosh. See, what you were doing then was still a better Cockney accent than what Dick Van Dyke did in Mary Poppins. <laughs> Even you ah. taking the Michael, it's still like a thousand times better. <laughs> Speaking of dodgy Cockney accents, this has nothing to do with film, it's mainly to do with television. It just made me chuckle. So I, I, I'm not a fan of EastEnders. It's just not my cup of tea. I used to watch it when I was younger, but you know, I just, you know, soap operas are a bit addictive. Yeah. So you have to, you have to give up that drug eventually. Uh, otherwise, it'll wreck your life. Um, I hadn't realised EastEnders has been on hiatus for two, three months because obviously, COVID and then the apps the world, work, yeah. the world. So the BBC's marketing team um, were absolutely on fire when they just posted up on Twitter, the logo rendered as a number two. And so like season two of EastEnders <laughs> coming soon. That, 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 that's genius, how, right? That is genius. How many episodes of EastEnders <laughs> have there been up until this point? Because oh, now we thousands. know how much is, that's now we know how many episodes are in a season of EastEnders. <laughs> like thousands. thousands. The best things were the sarcastic, comments on Twitter immediately <laughs> underneath just saying like, well, I thought the characterization was a bit underdeveloped in season one, but hopefully we get some more fleshed out storylines going forward. I felt like, yep, yeah, thank you, Twitter. British Twitter is fantastic in the fact that it's quite possibly the most sarcastic um, um, uh, recess of the internet. It has, mm. This has nothing to do with film. I just thought it just made me chuckle, to be honest. No, that's uh, that's absolutely fine. It's it's good to have a chat like this. Oh, anyway, let's move on with the show. And uh, yes, obviously we are in November, and uh, it, we may have passed the fifth of November. But for certain film fans, it's definitely a date not to forget, especially when it's all to do with V for Vendetta. I wish I wasn't afraid all the time, but I am. People should not be afraid of their governments. Governments should be afraid of their people. Those caught in violation of curfew will be prosecuted without leniency or exception. It's past curfew, you know. So, Viva Vendetta, it's it's about 15 years old, came out in 2005, 2005. yep, 2005, um, produced by the Wachowskis, um, featuring Hugo Weaving and Natalie Portman, just had to remember, it's like I, it's like I remember certain bits, but it's like, gotta fight, gotta get those bits in my mind. So yes, uh, Hugo Weaving, uh, Natalie Portman, uh, John, the late John Hurt, as well as like a, a little bevy of British actors as well. So you've got Stephen Fry in there, you've got uh, Stephen Ray, uh, even uh, Roger Allen, who the Wachowskis were very high on at the time because he appeared in Viva Vendetta and he was also the baddie in Speed Racer, which I need to be watched because Speed Racer is, was a guilty pleasure of mine during the university years. So uh, Viva Vendetta has come out recently on 4K um, and obviously the 5th of November passing, we were hoping to do a nice review in time for that date. Um, obviously things were a little bit out of our control in terms of uh, lockdown, in terms of COVID and all that sort of stuff. Um, but I still think it's worth talking about today 
because I feel even though it's 15 years old, I, I feel like it coming back to this film, it feels like a stronger film because it doesn't feel like it's aged at all. And I think some of the topics and the political aspects of the film are still incredibly relevant today. And I think that's a credit to the film itself. And even the story, the original comic book uh, written by Alan Moore, I think that that political subtext still included and still resonating so many years on is astounding. Well, if you were to go further back, I mean, this this film, it's, it owes a lot to Orwell and 1984. Mm. Uh, I, I read that recently for the first time and yeah. uh, exactly the same. It feels very <laughs> alarmingly relevant for today's political climate, which is um, it, it is a compliment to these these works, in particular V for Vendetta. And I, I agree with your sentiments that the film mm. felt it felt very fresh, um, which was nice for the film. I don't know if it's necessarily nice for the world we are currently inhabiting. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I mean, we're recording. We're recording this after obviously the 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 US elections have taken place. Obviously, there has been a projected winner, but obviously uh, the current president has his uh, concerns about the results, and obviously trying to change the the narrative of the events to make his administrations feel stronger and again you look at bits in the film it's like you've got hugo weaving as v this terrorist who is undermining um so trying to overthrow the totalitarian state that is being run by john hurt um and obviously you look at you obviously they they show these events and you go okay you can understand what he's doing or v's making a good case and then the i think it's the british i can't remember it's the bnn the british news network it, it's basically like a, a yeah. right-wing version of the bbc and yeah, pre- yeah. bbc yeah pretty much and they just go you know what no 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 no. that that's what didn't happen basically we, we found the terrorists we shot him it's all fine carry on england prevails all that sort of stuff yeah you get some of the more um how can i politely put it the more um alternative fringe news broadcast mm. via youtube on but you know on the extreme sides of the political spectrum that um they're quite reminiscent to um the uh sort of like the satirical um uh totalitarian news broadcast in viva vendetta mm. so i wonder how much of the, the, their style has been influenced by works like this or sort of like Possibly. the uh, or, or how much these stuff sort of, viva vendetta itself may have you know tapped into sort of like um things like Fox News and other such channels in America. Um, it's sort of like 24-hour news cycle. But um, no, no, the, the, I mean, yeah, the controlling of the narrative is certainly an a, a important theme in the film. Um, and it's fascinating. The V character is absolutely fascinating in the way he utterly undermines the official narrative from this horrendous government in the form yeah. of John Hurt's character. So what's the name? It's, it's Chancellor... A Sutler. Su- Sutler. Yes. Oh, yeah, Sutler, that's right. It does sound Sutler. It does sound like a little bit Hitler. Yeah, I never yeah. picked up on that before. But um, in terms of performances, actually, John Hurt is terrifying. He's also oh, yeah. quite captivating. I was reading I was reading some of the trivia for the film, and I didn't realise this until re-watching it with the trivia page open as I was watching along. Um, John Hurt doesn't blink a lot in this film. So when he's like he intentionally he's, left, yeah, he's intensely sort of piercing in that giant screen when he's shouting at the, the heads of state in that sort of way. It's like 
he doesn't blink. It's terrifying. <laughs> Especially when the camera just keeps getting closer and closer and he's going, no, you're going to do this because if you don't do this, I'm going to detain you and I'm going to put you in a camp. That's sort all. Of I, I mean, I, I, I love you to bits, Ian, but I'm glad that you're not an evil right-wing dictator because you just do not have the voice to command the fear as John Hurt did in this before. <laughs> no, John, John Hurt, John Hurt, rest his soul does a much better job in this than I ever will. I love John Hurt. Just like, whether it's Harry Potter or Doctor Who, it's like, yes. But like, um, no, the, um, the, I think as with as with the more successful comic book movies we've had over the years, I think what makes this film succeed is the way the this fantastic ensemble piece are taking the material very seriously. And despite the fact that it's a, it is a theatrical, over-the-top comic book story. Oh, yeah, there's action sequences like that. Oh, absolutely. The story itself is very serious and an important one. And as, as you've rightly alluded to, it's it's um, alarmingly relevant to today. I cannot get over how good Hugo Weaving is as V, I, I, despite the fact that we never actually see him. I mean, it's one of those sort of things of... Because oh, um, Hugo Weaving came in uh, to replace James Prufroy, who... Oh, really? He wasn't the yeah, first he, choice? He wasn't the first choice. James Poufoy was cast. Um, they did a couple, I think a week or two's worth of filming with him. Um, and then he dropped out because he had difficulties acting wearing the mask. So he sort of said, I, I don't want to do this, guys. I'm, I'm sorry, in that sort of way. And Hugo came in at very, very short notice. Um, and again, it's like, part, part of me, can't, when, I, when I was returning to the film, part of me was trying to figure out, it's like, did Hugo even actually wear the mask and do stuff, or did he just dub over a voice? No, Apparently, he, I, no, no, I checked the behind-the-scenes stuff. He is wearing the mask for most of the film. Um, they didn't reshoot uh, scenes they already shot because um, because of time, but basically they just re redubbed the voice and that sort hmm. of stuff. And the direct, and director James McTeague was just going, "I'll tell, I can tell the difference. Audiences can't." Yeah. <laughs> In that sort of way, but no, um, no, Hugo Weaving is absolutely a, a treat here i mean it's like the fact of the matter is he's like on one side you you're supposed to look at v as this is a terrorist he is doing these sort of destructive acts these murderous acts against the state but the way he sort of puts his argument forward and so forth makes it still seem reasonable well i think I, I, I think his arguments are reasonable i think yeah. he's and it's quite, what was it, you know, the last person to enter Parliament with good intentions was Guy Fawkes, um, so as the old gag goes. I, I think, um, you know, he's, he is the, um, I mean, I, I think hero is an interesting, I'm, I'm not entirely sure yeah. if I'm comfortable with describing V as a hero. Anti-hero seems definitely more yeah. appropriate to me. Anti-hero seems right. Yeah, and he's certainly very compelling. I, I find... Given the circumstances he's in, he is effectively in Nazi Germany, only transposed into modern-day Britain. Yeah. And so any any form of resistance movement, it has to be commended. Um, again, it's it's over the top comic book shenanigans at times, yeah. um, which are delightful to see. Um, and a lot, of, it's interesting. A lot of these plans are more symbolic in nature, in terms of inspiring um, yeah. uh, revolution against this terrible dictatorship. Mm. Um, but he is. He is also a flawed. Tra I mean, he's a, he's a tragic figure. He's, a, he's a mod, effectively the Phantom of the Opera, um, and his his tactics are questionable with regards to the psychology he uses with Natalie Portman's character. 
Yeah. I'm just going to chip in there a little bit because yes. you're talking about Phantom of the Opera. I think it alludes it quite well in the film, The Count of Monte Cristo. Oh, yes. Because because they, they talk, it's like, a, it's one of these favorite films in it, as as we're told, and he shows it to Natalie Portman's Evie character. But, all, but also, it's not just a sort of attempt to take down the government. It's also revenge as well, because mm. V is someone who's had terrible things done to him. V for Vendetta. Yeah, V Vendetta. And and the and the characters he targets or the characters he goes to assassinate, they are all complicit in who he is as a person. So it's not like he so rolling back onto my previous point about talking about how one way you could look at it is like he's trying to be heroic, but it's kind of savage. It is your it's your old it is anti hero and it's very it's still very vengeful. It's a it's a mm. it's a it's a tale of vengeance. They, it's like I think the people who are dying are people who do, who to him need to die to get some sentence of payback on. Just a force, the only form. I think it alludes to it in the film is the only form of justice that it could be afforded yeah. in such a corrupt system. Mm. And uh, I mean, yeah, there's, there's no point where I ever feel like um, <laughs> I don't. I never feel like he's not justified in his actions. Um, but he's definitely not, he is not the traditional heroic archetype. And I don't think no. the character was intended to be that way anyway. Yeah. Um, but he is, he is fascinating. I, um, I, I, again, I, I find the performance is brilliant. Um, mm. I, I love it. It would have been so easy for Hugo even just to have, or any actor just to sort of don't don the costume and just go through the motions but it really feels like there's a real heart and soul to the performance which it's yeah it's like for example um a film that's also kind of very cultish uh in in sort of like culture and, and the comic book audiences is dread the yes. carl urban version carl because urban. because carl urban's acting with just his chin and it's brilliant and, isn't it and brilliant yeah, chin yeah. acting so he doesn't have the power. He doesn't have the ability to convey emotion through, say, the eyes, like I'm showing now on, on the camera, or and so forth. Whereas for Hugo Weaving, he hasn't got any faces at all. He hasn't got a face at all. He's only got his voice and the body movements while he's wearing the mask, and being able to infuse a character like that into into V and to make him a compelling and flawed character is is a really good accomplishment, and it was a treat to revisit. Mm. And did it make you want to play with those cool little dagger ninja things? What are they called? Uh, I just wanted to build dominoes. What are they called? <laughs> oh, oh, shuriken? No, not no, 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 not stars. shuriken. Yeah. Um, we should know this. We've watched point, the point, point, pointy, stabby, stabby things. Let's just call it that. Knives that like juggle his knives. He was throwing knives a lot. He wasn't. No, not. He didn't have scythes. He had no. He had scythes. Scythes. That's what they're called. Scythes. Scythes. <laughs> Dives, yes, and the occasional throwing knife. But um, where were we? Yes, no, I, no, I can't. No, I'm not going to. I'm not going to pick up a pair of size. I'm sorry. <laughs> Maybe it's just me. I love the fact that you. I I went to ooh sharp weapon, and you went to ooh dominoes. Lovely, pretty dominoes. But it was a nice domino. I like the domino sequence. It's like the. A, I did. I did think that, that was the only. It was interesting. There was a moment where my my. My dis sense of disbelief. Um, uh, what's, the, what's the expression? Your sense of uh, disbelief was suspended. Was, was I, 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 back I, I, to I, life I, because he built dominoes. Yeah, I, I suspended my sus I suspended my suspension of disbelief because I thought it was ridiculously <laughs> over the top. They built 
dominoes. Then I remembered to myself, oh, wait a minute, he is theatrical and quite elaborate. This is totally what yes. he would do just as he's about to get, you know, extract vengeance after all these years. I, said, um, I, I lost count the amount of words beginning with the letter V he gave in his opening oh, monologue, monologue to Evie. I mean, all, all credit to Alan Moore, that monologue is incredible. I mean, I haven't. Mm. <laughs> so, the most extreme form of alliteration I've ever heard in my life. And it was an yeah. absolute joy. Again, the performance just came through. What did we think of the other performances as well, aside from John Hurt? And, I mean, uh, Natalie Portman, um, really reliable in this role. It gives a bit more, I think she's the more human character. I think that is the uh, that is the engagement point for the audience to obviously engage with her struggles and her her existence inside this sort of totalitarianism world uh and i think she does a really good job um i mean it's like it's like i can't really say much more i mean that it's just it is a it is a good performance it balances out with hugo weaving though i i remember hugo weaving a lot more than i do with natalie portman apart from the shaving of the head scene and and standing in the rain towards the finale of the film um but yeah i also i do remember a lot more of the supporting characters so I I forgot I forgot Stephen Fry was in the film. <laughs> yeah, he's kind of. He's, I don't want to say afterthought because that's that'd be quite disingenuous because he gives a very good performance and his character is very significant. Um, a very, very tragic story. Yeah. Um, but it, yeah, it's a moment. I, th I think <laughs> normally when you see Stephen Fry in a movie, you go, "Oh, it's Stephen Fry." With this, mm. it's just, "Oh, here's a great, here's another interesting character." Which yeah. I think is, in some ways, is actually a compliment to the piece. Yes, um, I, think, I think Stephen Fry was used very well here, and he, he, he performed. Uh, he performed brilliantly. I love the mock comedy show he does. I, oh, I, assume, I love I mean, that bit. <laughs> I mean, I assume it's John Hurt playing him, playing the character being so. played by another person. I've never think... in a double like he would have done in the in the in the story of the film. If that makes sense. I think so. I was looking intently at IMDb after that sequence. Go. Did he perform? Did he appear as himself? Did he appear as the character in that? And, he, and I think he did. It's like, that was just very funny. <laughs> it's like, where's the terrorist? He's over there behind the drums, playing on the, like, the, like, I got with, like, the kettleboard or something like that. I don't know what the instrument's called. They're just going, oh, 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 people, oh. Oh, no, washboard. No. Washboard, that's it. <laughs> but no, I, have, I like that. You haven't, you haven't washed clothes in the Edwardian period at all, have you, Ian? No, no, I don't take a spoon or a, drumstick to it I, I don't know these instruments <laughs> to get you like a um, big jug of like uh, moonshine so you go ooh, 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 ooh. so um yes obviously this is a comic book movie and there are still action sequences um obviously the Wachowskis back in the day obviously the matrix um obviously they knew how to handle action obviously as producers here obviously they were guiding james mctiernan who i believe was a second unit director for them on uh matrix as well yes um, so he had he had an idea of what type of action they were looking for here and the action sequences themselves are fine they, they zip along quite nicely it completely puts action sequences together and it's and they're not just quick cuts they are still engaging you can follow the action you don't get lost in it because i think after after matrixes and stuff like that and then born came along everyone got into the craziness of the the quick cut and the jaggly camera all that sort of must share yeah, the camera although the other set pieces are, are, are elaborate 
to mm. some degree. They're actually they're quite restrained and yeah. very, they're, yeah. they're more style. They're stylistically approached. I think that's quite fitting for the story. They're they're, they're, they're sparse. They're, they're they're sort of dripped throughout the film sparsely, yeah. which I think is quite nice. There's a there's a lot more character work and world building as opposed to fight fight fight. Yeah, so, I mean, you, you've got you've got your action sequences, but you, I think that the strength of the core story and the performances make this still worth watching. The pace, it's like it, the pace is really good. It it zips along. It's a quite comfortable pace as well. It's um, two and a half hours long, isn't it? It's two like, hours, two it? hours ten. Two hours ten. Two hours ten. Okay, so it's still quite a yeah, big movie. Yeah, and uh, yeah, it's three by yeah, three by for me without mm. a problem. Mm. So I guess look, I, I, I guess. On reflection, this is still a, a, this is still a very good comic book movie, graphic novel adaptation, um, which, like we said at the start of this review, it, like we said at the start of our review here, the fact that this film is over fifteen years old, I lo- I watched it and I wasn't I wasn't picking out things of all oh, that looks that looks outdated now that looks out of place now because of film and technologies or 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 the story or the plot and the the fact is I think the older the film has got the better it's got yeah it's, it's, I, mat- it's maturing very well yeah it's it's matured like a fine fine comic book adaptation and i think not a lot of people immediately go for viva vendetta when they talk about comic book movies nowadays obviously they're going for nolan's dark knight trilogy i mean you you always go for a dark knight trilogy when we talk about comic book movies in a sense um, well, at, the, at the moment it's smart it's mcu that's, that's... And, and, and mcu and i think before the mcu really hit the ground running in 2008 there were still adaptations that were kind of falling left field i guess it's like yes some people would respond to it very well i mean it it got a really good reception on from critics when it came out but wasn't a massive massive hit but i think it's i think i think that's helped i think that's helped because i think if if it's i think that's what's made going back to the film kind of like a very compelling and enthralling journey it's because the fact that the expectations weren't there the expectations or the, the the reminders of what had been before what what we knew of the film then so it, it's become a sort of you said it's become a bit of a hidden gem yeah yeah i think i think this is still one of the strongest comic book adaptations i i, I, I completely i completely agree with you i mean it's, it's a shame that alan moore had his name taken off because I, d- I don't know if he's ever watched it or if he will ever see it. I think um, I mean, I, he, had, I, he had such a terrible experience with uh, League of Extraordinary Gentlemen, mm-hmm. which I, to this day I still haven't watched. Go, you know, again, rest in peace, Mr. Sir Sean Connery. Mm-hmm. But that is the film that effectively, made, uh, by all accounts, made him retire yeah. from. <laughs> Pretty much. Yeah. Um, so, but yeah, but, I can um, un- I can understand more not putting it and not putting his name on stuff i mean it's the kind of thing now if it's alan moore adaptation alan moore is quite um is quite uh, i'm trying to find the right word here he's he's very he holds firm on what he's happy to kind of put himself to and i can understand from the art from the writer's point of view that if something that's being adapted is still technically tweaking your work and not necessarily honoring that work page by page line by line then by all rights you, you you should not feel happy you should not feel pressure to put your name on it um obviously that sort of thing has kind of um in, when you look at page per page panel by panel you look at things like 300 and sin city and that's when obviously they've had 
more involvement from the author and, and so forth. But those are complete different films and different, or different keep, it to Alan, keep it to Alan Moore. If it's Watchmen, you just you basically <laughs> add your Zack Snyder. You just hand the copy of the of the comic book to every single one on production and just like yeah. film that, film that, film that. Yeah, like, pretty much. Pretty yeah. Much. But um, I, no, I, no, I, I, I mean I haven't watched Watchmen in in ages and i think i, I should yeah. go back to it in the ultimate cut because they have released the whole sort of four-hour version on 4k yeah and maybe, uh, maybe when maybe maybe quiet times over christmas might watch it yeah I, I, was watch thinking, TV I, show. I, I was thinking um i i have not i wasn't too keen on the tv show a lot of people liked it i know some fans really didn't like it so I, i'm not sure if it's I'm not entirely sure if it's particularly divisive or it was just a few naysayers mm. like myself. Um, yeah. the, the TV series has nothing to do with the original comic book. It's, it's yeah. an original story based in that world with no involvement from Alan Moore. So yeah. take it what it is. But the, the, you know, what I can say for Zack Snyder's version of Watchmen, it's that's pretty... I, I was impressed how close to the material that got because yeah. it, gets, it gets strange. Uh, yes. have, you ever, have you ever read the graphic novel? I have. I own the graphic novel. Oh, do you? Yeah, like, yeah. It's very good. Uh, it's very good. Obviously, the finale and certain <laughs> elements of the finale. Obviously, had. I felt yes, they've changed it, but I, 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 I agree to the sense. changes as well. I mean, it, it works. It works great in the graphic novel yeah. form. But I, my my thought, I, I remember reading it and thinking to myself, how are they going to film that? <laughs> <laughs> I mean, at one, point, at one point, Terry Gilliam was attached to adapt Watchmen. I think in the nineties, and he, yeah, even he he struggled. If Terry Gilliam, if Terry Gilliam can't adapt your comic book, then good luck. Well, it was Terry Gilliam, and then it went on to Paul Greengrass, and Paul Greengrass yes. was almost ready to start filming. I think it, really? the film was in pre-production. I think it got to a stage where they were almost ready to go, and they was like, no, 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 thank you. And I think it was only after I think three hundred worked pretty well as a adult comic book adaptation that i think warner brothers kind of went okay we 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 can or i think it might be warner brothers or paramount they kind of went okay i think we can we can give this one a go now yeah yeah anyway <laughs> anyway well alan, alan moore works of discussion aside we need to give this a star rating um we're talking just before we started recording um as much as i enjoyed going back to it i would still probably I feel comfortable giving the film four stars. See, I, I, I think this is a five star movie. I, I, I think this is one of the best comic book adaptations of all time. Yeah, I think, I think if I was compiling, a, I think anyone compiling a top ten comic book movie list of, would have to include this. Maybe yes, even top absolutely. five. So, I mean, I'm happy to give it five. Are so, we, are we going to just compromise and say four and a half? Yeah, the official not? verdict. Yeah, we'll do four and a half as the official verdict because it. You're right on some of those. I think it's still one of the best comic book adaptations out there. I think when it comes to a top 10, it will feature. Um, I think the reason why I haven't pushed it to five is, again, I think sometimes with comic book movies, I think sometimes the reason certain films like, say, The Dark Knight would probably still pop up above it, or even one or two of the Captain America films from, from Marvel will pop up, is because mm. they're easy to pull off the shelf and get straight into it. I think it's like they the content is like yes the the storyline and the storytelling is mature and it's not it yes it's over the top but yes it still feels grounded for adults and, and families and so forth but i think with eve vendetta going back into that world or, or returning to that sort of story you need to be able to focus and appreciate the storytelling aspect of it 
and and really peer and really kind of understand the themes and i think you can't necessarily do that i know this sounds it sounds like i'm waffling but i'm just kind of i wouldn't necessarily pull viva vendetta straight off the shelf all the do time, you, you're basically time. saying you'd have to be in the right mood for this kind of film possibly possibly I mean, it's mm. like I did. I, it wasn't really on my radar until we we pulled out that it was coming on to 4K for the show. How um, how does the 4K actually look? Because you got it off Apple, didn't you? That's yeah, like, I, was Apple, hoping, I was hoping to grab the 4K disc, but I didn't get a chance. Um, Apple 4K stream. Um, yeah, it looks good. It looks good. The film the film doesn't look dated in its visual t- storytelling. It it looks it it looks good. Um, I think don't don't expect like this looks like it was filmed yesterday um yeah there's still some elements to it there but i think it's probably the best the film is going to look to be honest so it's recommended right cool cool that's good to know right so good old reeve vendetta four and a half stars i mean it's a shame we didn't land on five because you know five is in roman numerals is it a v yes uh Oh, the puns, and V would have been happy because we'd be talking victoriously about the... Are you trying to think of many V words right now? Yes, so, yes, and it's you terrible. Have, you should have prepared. It's... You've had a whole week. Uh, uh, <laughs> we've talked about the film. I, we've give, we, we've enjoyed talking about the film. We've given the star rating. It's, it's I, I, will say, do. I will say, I love a film that has a scene where they watch another film. It's yes. always good. <laughs> you find right. your own tree. Ah, <laughs> right. uh, anyway that's all we have time for in this episode of film Raw. thank you very much for joining us whether you're watching the show on youtube or listening via audio make sure you subscribe so you get new episodes first when we release them and you can also contact us by emailing us at filmroll at bunkerzilla.co.uk also there's a whole world of monstrous content to explore at bunkerzilla.co.uk explore great articles and listen to insightful podcasts from our talented team and of course you can follow us on twitch facebook and twitter at bunkerzilla uk so until next time this has been film raw i've been ian bolton joined by christian R. allen remember remember the 5th of november Indeed, a week later. A week later. <laughs> remember, remember the fifth of November. A week later, of course, but don't forget. <laughs> remember it for fifty weeks' time. Yes, we'll be back in fifty-three weeks' time, or fifty-two weeks' time, or whatever. Time. <laughs> I need to get you. Actually, what is the point of a calendar right now? There is no. There is no t- tomorrow. There is. There is only today a long slow 2020 that will last forever yes hopefully not for too much longer until next time stay safe enjoy your movies and we'll see you next time stay cinematic